Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. My name is Lynn Wilder, and this is part three with my husband of 48 years, Michael. He's telling his story um, into Mormonism, what it was like to be LDS, and then he's going to tell us like what kind of things started him questioning, where he ended up, um, what life is like now. This in particular will be good for Christians because it helps them understand what it's like to be LDS, but also for Mormons to hear that you can really be dug into Mormonism one day and things can change. Mike, welcome back and thanks for telling our story. Thanks for having me again. And hopefully it's not going to take 48 years to get through all these. We will speed (laughs) things up, I promise. Uh, So, but uh, the the whole concept of uh, you know going into Mormonism and coming out of Mormonism it's 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 just an amazing journey. And again, I was a very happy Mormon. I I followed the rules just like I was supposed to, uh, even more so than the average person. I think we were really um, very devout in in our actions, mm-hmm. the way we raised our kids. I mean, we didn't even we never drink coffee. We didn't watch TV on Sunday. We uh, you know did all of our responsibilities. Visiting and home teaching and what they call what they call it now these days I can't remember uh, but I think um, ministering. ministering teachers or something like that mm-hmm. but um, anyway so I think you asked me a question about you know actually going to the temple and you know I'm I'm not going to get into all the detail maybe some other time we will but you know we we signed up um, and we got a time that we were supposed to go to the temple we had a couple very dear friends that went with us. And they drove all the way from Muncie, Indiana to Washington, D.C. to go to the temple with us. And so uh, we get there. I've got my temple recommend so I can get in. And um, you, um, uh, we get up very early in the morning. And what we're going to do, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, we'll talk just a couple of things that's happening to us at that time. But we go through the door and they, they always welcome you. It says, welcome to the house of the Lord. And you show them your temple recommend. They look at it and says, and and we have a little thing on it that shows us that this is our first time going to the temple. So everybody will know by a tag on there that we are first timers. And they say, welcome to the house of the Lord, brother and sister Wilder. So excited to have you here. So we go up and then immediately Lynn goes one direction and I go another direction. And uh, so the first part we go through is called the washing and anointing and getting your new name. Okay, again, I'm not going to go into more detail on that. Uh, but that, if you want more information, you can actually go to a booklet that we wrote called um, Seven Reasons We uh, Left Mormonism. And I write a whole chapter about my experiences of just the washing and, and the anointing. So we go through there, we get a new name. Okay, uh, that's one of the requirements you have to have to get into heaven <laughs> uh, later on. You cannot forget your new name uh, or you won't get through. And so then once we receive our new name, we are come back together. Uh, and at that point, I have actually received the garments of the Holy Priesthood. And Lynn has received her garments. And I, I we're dressed in white and we have the, uh, the garments of the Holy Priesthood underneath our white pants, our white socks, our white shoes, our white shirt, our white ties. Okay. And then, yes. Now, now go- let me camp on and- the garments for a minute because... I didn't know that Mormons wore special underwear 
that first year I was LDS, Mike and I went to the temple after we'd been LDS about a year. You kind of have to earn your way to the temple for at least a year. I think it was a night before we left Indiana that someone shocked us with this idea that when we went to the temple, we were going to get this garment of the holy priesthood placed on our bodies and that we would have to wear them 24-7 for the rest of our lives. Yes, that that was uh, shocking. And, you know, today it's become more modern. They're actually two-piece and you can kind of look like a Fruit of the Loom (laughs) underwear. But when when we did it, mine was like a, you remember the Mall and Paul Kettle movies back in the fifties? Probably not people. <laughs> no, not many people. Not too do. many people have. Well, look it up. It's great. <laughs> but uh, he always ran around in his long johns, and that's what mine looked like. <laughs> so it was quite shocking. Uh, but uh, anyway, going on beyond that, so we received the garments of the Holy Priesthood, and we did not know we were supposed to wear those. Um, and, uh, you know, that's shocking, but, you know, we're, we're into this. I mean, we've come this far. We're going to live with Heavenly Father. I don't care what, I, what underwear I have to wear. I'm going to be there, okay? <laughs> and so uh, we get that, and then we go through the endowment. And the endowment, you receive a little package of clothes, special clothes that you're supposed to put on during the endowment procedure. It lasts, how long does it last? About 70 minutes, if I recall. And you have to actually go through, you receive instructions, won't go through all that. You actually move from uh, one room to another room or can move. It depends on what temple you're going into. Salt Lake is one. Washington, D.C. is all in one room. But they change the films that we would see a film in there explaining the events of Adam and Eve. And we learned all these things about what actually happened. Not what you learned in the Bible, but what was actually in Doctrine and Covenants plus additional information that nobody can know anything about unless you go to the temple. And so eventually we get to the veil. Uh, where you have to give special signs and tokens and passwords to get through the veil to enter into the presence of God, okay? And these will be the same tokens and signs and commandments or passwords that are given to you that you will actually use to enter into with Heavenly Father. They say you have to remember this, understand this, and you're never to forget your, your new name uh, and these instructions. And you go through that and you actually go through the veil And once you go through the veil, you enter into the celestial room. And once we went through all that, I was so burned out. I was so shocked. I had a tremendous headache. Okay. Uh, And this took probably, what, about three and a half hours, Lynn? Is that what you would say? To do the washing and going through the anointing. Yeah, probably. Endowment and and Mm -hmm. just getting through that. Maybe, Maybe three hours. And I was spent. Okay. And, you know, the people that were with us have been through this multiple times before, and they were all excited. We're in a celestial room. We made it. Okay. Um, And, but it was just like God was saying to me, and I think also to Lynn, this, this is not normal. Okay. I mean, you, you couldn't understand certain things and, you know, I I had a tremendous headache. It was like my body was saying, this is not good. It's like a warning. Um, and, th- and they want to take us through again, a, a real, you know, to do it over and over and over. And that's what you do. Every time you go to the temple, you do it the first time for yourself. And then the next time you go through, you do it for somebody else, an ancestor to save them. Okay. So you go through the same routine and I couldn't do it. I remember we just went back to the hotel room and collapsed that Sunday afternoon or that, that afternoon. It was a Saturday, I guess. And 
I don't even know if we, did we go back again uh, while we were on that trip? Maybe one other time, I can't remember. But it, it was not a normal experience. But they always say, well, if it's confusing to you, it's it's the devil trying to get you confused about what is good, okay? And so the devil is really going to put pressure on you that this is not a good thing to do. And, you know, you kind of say, oh, well, get, well gee, if that's what the devil's trying to do, then I, I better go back. And he says, and you need to go back time and time and time again until you feel more comfortable. And it's like with anything you do, you do it again and again and again, and you believe this is the right thing. You start saying, yeah, this is normal. And it took me 20 some years to even begin to get halfway comfortable with it. So we went back and then then life goes on from there. You know, we're temple endowed. Um, we, we have the temple garments on and we rise through the ranks, I guess you could say, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, you received callings of a you know primary president. You became um, um, a state primary president. You were a lay society president. Uh, multiple callings uh, at the ward level and at the stake level. And same thing with me. You know, I was a ward mission leader. I would became a uh, um, which had a lot of neat experiences in that. Um, and became a. Uh, well, actually uh, had many calling, Sunday school president, so forth, and became a high counselor, was nominated to become a high counselor when I was, I guess, uh, 38 years old um, uh, or 36 years old, someplace in there. And what that meant is that I, res I became a high priest, okay? And that's a big thing in Mormonism. At least back then, it was a big thing in Mormonism to become a high priest. And the only reason you become a high priest in Mormonism is for your calling, Okay. The only high priest in a ward are the bishop, his counselors, and the high priest group leader. <laughs> That's it. Four men can be high priests. Now, you have more high priests in a ward than that, but that's, you know, you either get it by becoming a bishop, a counselor, um, and usually when you become a high priest group leader, it's a carrier from another calling. I was called to the high council, which means uh, I traveled to different congregations and spoke. Uh, I actually did training with bishops. I did training with uh, other people. Elders Quorum Presidents was one of the things I trained a lot of. And I traveled to different organizations to do that. And I spoke at different churches like once once a Sunday. So it's a big deal. Um, and it's amazing how I was basically nobody until I became a high counselor. And it's amazing how many people that would, you know, had respect for me. Um, and not saying that's bad, I guess, but that's one of the things you, you work for to, 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 to earn the respect. You know, it's just like in business, you know, you receive callings in business, you know, promotions in business, same thing in the LDS church. Um, so, but I, I actually love the people I work with very many kind. There's some people I questioned, uh, but overall there was most of the men and women, very devout, very sincere, but, but again, the doctrine is not correct. Um, so, so we're moving on through life. According happily. to the Bible, according right. to the Bible, according to right. Mormonism, certainly. Right, right. And I, I remember, I want to jump back. I remember one time before we joined the LDS church, sitting on the couch, talking with the Mormon missionaries, and I held up the Book of Mormon and I held up the Bible and it says, the Book of Mormon is not more important than the Bible. And the missionaries looked at me and said, oh no, they're equal. They're equal in status. And that actually was a lie because 
the Book of Mormon has much more status in Mormonism than the Bible, okay? Because the Bible is something we can't totally trust. But the Book of Mormon is pure because it was translated directly by Joseph Smith. So it's just how they twist things and not quite give you all the evidence. It's kind of like Paul Harvey. If people remember Paul Harvey. And now the rest of the story. Well, in Mormonism, they tell you the story, but years and years and years later, you'll find out the rest of the story and it's not quite what you thought it would be. Um, so in recent years, the LDS Church has actually put on their website a number of essays that kind of help explain their history. And I'll talk to Mormons who start to question their faith because they found that very information right on the LDS website, right? So not something that would be talked about from the pulpit or that any Sunday school teacher would talk about. but. Their doctrine is kind of there in plain sight if you actually look for it. So tell me more about your life in Mormonism. Um, what kind of things did you think you needed to do to please this heavenly father of Mormonism? Well, you had to be active in the LDS church. And so that took a lot of time. I mean, um, you know, I was self-employed at that point. And so you try to run a business. Um, and you try to take care of your family and you have callings and easily, you know, I usually had, I was gone from the house at least two nights during the week um, because I had callings, you know, involving maybe the young men because I was a, a counselor uh, in the bishopric. I'm supposed to oversee that. And then I would have other meetings uh, on another night. Uh, when I was uh, in a high counselor, we had meetings at least once a week. And usually I had one meeting at the ward building about training or educating people. And then I would drive all the way from Muncie, Indiana, which is, you know, probably a 60 minute drive to Indianapolis, Indiana to attend my um, uh, high council meetings. And I'd be down there sometimes till 11 o'clock at night. And, and then I'd drive home. And, and then Sundays, I would leave at six o'clock in the morning and get back like six o'clock that night. Uh, very, very busy days because we were always working. And they would always say, well, your family may suffer some, but you're doing the work of the Lord. And that's what you always look. You say, I'm doing the work for God. This is God's business. Yes, um, you know, my family be blessed uh, and so forth. And you really think that. I really thought that. That time I spent away from my family doing church work was going to bless my family. And, you know, we, you know, we were, you know, per se blessed, you know, we did have good health and our kids basically stayed out of trouble. I guess that's the good news <laughs> these days. Uh, but because, you know, one thing in Mormonism, we raised them with pretty strict rules. I mean, you did not do this and you did not do that. And, and we were, you know, we were loving parents, but we also were, you know, pretty, you know, uh, not severe, but we 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 counseled our children what they should and should not do, and 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 we didn't have to beat them or anything like that. But we just said you had to be home at this time, and you know you had to get permission to do this, and you had to do that, and you had to do your homework, and you had to you know be involved in different things. So so that that was good. A structured so you, life was good. We were in the LDS Church for thirty years. We went in at age twenty four. And I gave my life to the Jesus of the Bible at age 54. In those 30 years that you were in Mormonism, was there anything that seemed odd to you or that you questioned 
about the LDS church or were you just all in? You know, during that period of time, it's, it's, I always like to use the example of the frog in hot water. Okay. Uh, you get cooked, you get cooked in your doctrine, you know, where I said, well, you know, the Book of Mormon cannot be more important than the Bible. But as you're in the, in the LDS church through teachings, through your callings and, you know, the, 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 the teachings of the prophets, they more, they know more than what's in the Bible. And you start putting less reliability on the Bible and you start putting more reliability in the Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants and the teachings of the, the Latter-day Prophets. And so what happens is that the Bible is not as important now. And so if you run into things that conflict with the Bible, um, you said, well, that's not translated correctly and you move on and keep the other things. So, but it's always, you know, giving, giving to the church, you know, your time, your energy. And again, to be a temple recommend holder, you have to verify or say what you paid in tithing each year. Okay. Um, and, you know, you taught at Brigham Young University, you had to pay your tithing each year. Um, and I remember when you were coming out of the LDS church, you did not go in for your tithing. And for my tithing I had to go settlement in. at the end yeah. of the year with the right, bishop. Right. Yes. Yeah. Now, people, Christians and Mormons, and Mormons, if you're Mormon listening to this, this brings back a lot of memories. But if you're a Christian, you go in and tell your bishop, you know, I paid this is this is the amount of money I paid for the whole year. I made a hundred thousand dollars. Here's ten thousand dollars. It's before tax. You pay before tax. Okay. Uh, I used to have this discussion with a lot of people from an accounting standpoint. You paid before tax. So if you made a hundred thousand dollars, you paid ten thousand dollars and you were a full pie tithe payer. If you were a partial tithe payer, you couldn't get your temple recommend. So you did that. So um Lynn was coming out of the LDS church. And I was still very much involved with it, thinking it's God's way. And I remember she, you know, she was thinking about not paying her tithing. And I said, well, she doesn't pay her tithing. Uh, she's going to lose her job at BYU, even though she's a tenured professor. So I went in and paid her tithing for her that year. And the bishop said, where's Lynn? I said, well, she's not here today. But here's her tithing. Was this ring up today? Yep. He marked all the papers. Okay, great. How you doing, Brother Rob? You know, it's just like, God was amazed, doing amazing things with us, our family at that point where we, you know, Lynn was coming out. I was still in and nobody ever asked questions. I did my calling and Lynn's calling at the same time. It's just, it's just amazing. So, so God had us very, very active and Lynn was the first one to start, you know, coming out. In fact, I won't ask you a question. I'm so you're supposed to be interviewing me. Well, why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. I wasn't technically the first one in our family. I might have been the first one in our couple. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> to seriously so, question so the LDS what, Church. You know, a lot of people say, "Well, what started this whole procedure of coming out of the LDS Church?" Well, remember we had a son that went to Russia. That was a hard mission. Yeah. If I had known how hard it was, I would never have sent him there. He could have been killed. Okay. I had another son that went to Denmark and he, you know, I buy him these special gloves worth back then, you know, in the, uh, you know, with, when he went on his mission, cost like $80. That's a lot of money for me. And he's there for like two weeks and he felt sorry for some poor person that didn't have, and he gave his gloves away. <laughs> and he's a pianist, you know, he's like, no, no, Matt, you no, no, you have to protect your hands. But, uh, but that's, that's our kids. They were always very, very giving. And then we had son, you know, they went to, went to Florida, but something unique happened there when he was in Florida. So, um, so you know, overall, you'd oh, say oh. your, your 30 years in Mormonism were good. 
it, it was a legalistic, okay? And But I can live the rules, okay? Because I'm going to live these rules to live with God, okay? Well, that sounds and, and a little if, prideful to me. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I mean, am I going to let a beer keep me from living with God? Of course not. <laughs> so no, no, no tea, no coffee. Can you imagine it's no coffee for 30 years, okay? But I, I could do it. And uh, a lot of people could not, you know, a lot of people when, when, with my callings, uh, one of the callings I had was, I was uh, on the um, uh, um, Redeem the Dead Committee, that, which is an interesting calling when you think about it, from a Christian standpoint. I would encourage people to go to the temple. I would talk about the temple. I would teach about the temple. I would take groups to the temple. And, you know, I would meet people and I said, we, we can't. We can't do it. You know, we're we're going to accept that my parents, my family will live in a celestial kingdom and I can't go visit them. I just can't. Live. I mean, it, it broke my heart. You know, people just gave up. They'd be like, they'd be active in the LDS church. They do everything they were supposed to do, but they couldn't do everything to get that temple recommend. Or they went to the temple, but they couldn't keep up that standards and they'd fall away. And But they would still come to church realizing they're going to live in a lower kingdom. Um, which is really sad. Uh, but, and I try to get them, well, you can do this. You know, you can, you can start paying your tithing again. You can it, it, just, just quit smoking. Okay. It's, it's not, you can do that. You know, it's not good for your health anyway. Or, you know, they, they would drink coffee. I've had people who would not get a temple recommend because they would drink coffee. Okay. That was keeping them out of heaven. I mean, I'm talking about, this is 2002, you know, not that many years ago. Um, I, I but, remember, your parents being strong Christians, um, attending a Baptist church, and we had moved them into a mother-in-law apartment in our home. In fact, your very wonderful Christian parents lived with us for 10 years when our kids were growing up because grandpa needed some help from time to time, especially as he got older. One day they came home from church. <laughs> do you remember this? Oh, yeah, and, yeah. I know where you're going with this, okay? And grandpa I'll let you do it. Grandpa had a question for us because of something the pastor had told him. Um, your dad wanted to know if we really believed that we were going to have sex in heaven. Yeah. Do you remember and, how you answered him? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, it, it's just like because you're 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 going to be husband and wife in heaven, okay? And if you have a sexual relationship here, you, you know, you're in love with each other. If, you, if it's done here on the earth, then why can't it be done in heaven? And that's 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 the teachings of the LDS church. I mean, that was a common concept that was taught. Now today, they say, well, we, we don't know if we really taught such a thing or if we really believe that. Uh, but according to the writings of Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and about every other prophet up through, you know, the, the 1995 or so, that's what they taught. It was just a, a, a fact. So there's just some weird teachings as you get into Mormonism that just kind of flare up. You know, is sex between a husband and wife bad? No, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful concept. Um, but I think God has a little bit more in store for us when we get to heaven, okay? Um, I mean, it's just like, uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be not just gold streets, but it's going to be very, very unique, which we came and comprehend. Um, but will I know you? Yes. Yes, you'll be there. I'll know my children. And we'll be one big family with billions of people in that family because we'll be all children of God. So 
So one of your sons began to question the church, and then your other one of your other sons began to question the church. Tell us about what that was like for a father. Well, you know, I'm a priesthood holder. Uh, I was a high priest at that time. Once a you high were. priest, always, yeah. always a high priest. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's left me. Okay. It's an abomination to even say that now that I consider myself a high priest. We know from the scriptures, there's only one high priest and that is the Lord uh, Jesus high priest. He is mm-hmm. the only one. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of those things in Mormonism say that, that even think that you're a high priest doesn't, doesn't align with biblical concepts. Okay. But the name is high priest, you know, it's there in the Bible. So, it's just misused. Now, you know, my, my one son, Micah, on his Mormon mission in Florida, um, over a period of time became a born again Christian. Okay. And he got sent home from his mission early, like three weeks early, because he didn't just believe the LDU church was the only true church is that your relationship was in Christ, that Christ saves you. It's not an organization that saves you. And he got sent home and, you know, we went through this thing. And yes, I I thought as a high priest of my family that I could pull him back in. And, you know, it was a, it was, it was a hard thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a very, very hard thing to, to see, you know, part of our eternal family was starting to break up. Because in Mormonism, you know, if you're not a member, you're not part of the family forever and ever. So I have a, a, you and me and Josh and Matt and Katie. And then Micah's getting this idea that the LDS church is not true. So he's not going to be part of our eternal family. You start thinking this. Um, but at the same time, what's he doing wrong? You know, he believes in Jesus. Well, that's what is taught in the Bible. He believes that you are saved by redemption, by his grace, not because of anything that you have done, but because of everything that he has done. And it takes a, a wholly a, a different concept. So, so what we need to do is probably stop here, looking at the time, and we'll pick this up about being born again, coming out of the LDS church and becoming born again. That'll be our next episode. What God did with us, okay, uh, to start this procedure. Well, thank you. For tying that up. (laughs) If you want to find us online, you can find us at unveilingmormonism.com or you can find the book Unveiling Grace at Amazon. Grace and peace to you, Michael. I'm, I'm eager to hear then what drew you finally out of the church and how your life changed. Okay. May God bless.